Hello, this is Brian Foster, and I'm coming to you on July 25th, 2021. I hope everybody is having a good time tonight. I am talking about spiritism as I do every Sunday night, and I hope that you can all be part of it. Now, today we're going to carry on in the book Evolution in Two Worlds. In Evolution in Two Worlds, it gets down to the nitty-gritty of the world of the spirit realm, the spirit world, and the physical world. Now, remember, the physical world is a subset of the spirit world. Spirit universe came first. And, of course, with even in within the spirit realm, the spirit universes, and the physical universes, there are different dimensions within those. So the amount to explore after we go back to spirit world is just immense. It's very exciting. So don't forget that. But this book gets down to the nitty-gritty. It tries to tell us how things really are as far as between the spirit realm and the physical realm. So when we see things, we can interpret them correctly. So let's get into it. This is chapter five on part two the discarnate's appearance to mediums. And the question is, what principles govern the appearance of discarnate spirits to human mediums? So how, how do spirits appear to human mediums? Let's see what he says. The appearance that discarnate spirits assume when they communicate to human mediums can vary infinitely. Due to the natural control they have over their psychosomatic cells, high-order spirits adopt the appearance that will most be advantageous for the commendable work they propose to accomplish. However, this matter of interchange is not the most common. Generally speaking, discardants convey their current form to the incarnate mediumistic instruments, meaning the mediums. Of course, there is no lack of dignifying garments for individuals who had freed themselves from the physical vessel. All such garments are made with care and love by skillful noble hands in the extra-physical sphere. However, we must remember that discarnate spirits, even low-order ones, have the ability to exteriorize the pliable fluids peculiar to them, a type of mental agglutinins, which they use to envelop the incarnate medium's mind and to form as much as they can the images they want to express. These fluids acquire color and movement for the medium's perceptions, making him or her express him or herself or act similarly to the passive subject of induced hypnosis. Such phenomena, however, isolate only occur between the medium and the spirit who influences him or her, without implications for feasible reality. Similar to what happens in the realm of suggestions during the mental-physical interconnection between subject and hypnotist. So let's talk about this first. When you pass over and you are become a spirit and you lose your, I shouldn't say you're always a spirit, but you lose your physical body. You can close yourself into what you, you wish. Now, when you come to a medium and you're a high-level spirit, you can then also change your appearance to how you'd like. And then, of course, you see a lot of people's mediums seeing lower spirits who are pretty frightening, and they can change themselves into something pretty ugly if they want to, to try to scare you. Or they can try to become, try to look like something normal, although it's very hard for them because most of them, even if they're very immature and low, still look to some people like they have some evil in them, which is their their senses, right? Their their conscience, which is given to us by God, kind of picks up these these little hints and suggestions, and we go, eh, this person is not who they think 
who think they are. Now, some mediums, which I've talked to in, uh, in different spiritual centers, can see spirits, just normally. Chico Xavier could, the Baldwin Franco could, and this one person I talked to could. And interesting, what he said is when, he, when we were at a spiritual center and we were having passes given to us, passes are when you go into a room, they send you to rooms kind of uh, very, uh, not completely dark, but very, you know, much light. They sit you down and there's a human in front of you giving you passes. They don't touch you, but they, they put their hands up and down. And then there's a spirit behind them using uh, universal fluid and using that human between you and them to modify that fluid in order to best help you in whatever you need to be helped. Well, this medium was there, and you could see the spirits. And he said they move like fast robots, just very fast moving around. So you see, time, it, to us, we are so slow. In fact, I was reading, rereading something in uh, Beyond the Veil, and the spirits were talking to Reverend G. Bowell, and they go, it's, it's tough talking to you, meaning humans, because, you know, the human mind's wonderful, but it's really slow. So remember that. So, and he goes, and also it's tough, it's very difficult for us to use the words we want to because you, you don't have anything that's even close to what we're trying to talk about many times. You don't see most of the colors, you don't hear most of the sounds. I mean, so there's all of these things. That's why when mediums tell you what the spirits have told them, always kind of understand that there could be misinterpretation and it's not anybody's fault and, and, and of course there's also the time there's also the the question of time and events spirits did not tell you like oh this is going to happen at five o'clock on wednesday 5 p.m not a.m and because that's there's no time in the spirit world there's just there are actions and there's events and they usually will tie this to well this tree may fall first and then this this will happen that's how they see things they don't they don't see they don't have watches and say oh it's time no no that doesn't work that way they see the future they see the shadows of the future which may or may not happen therefore when mediums tell you things are going to happen in a certain time frame be just be very forgiving because as I've been told, actually a couple of times in messages in the spirit world to me, I'm not a medium, but I've had written messages to, to me. And he says, remember, our time's not your time. And so and believe me, it's I've had to remember that many times. I think, oh, this is going to happen. And no, it doesn't happen. And then years later, I go, ah, oh, now I understand. So just to let you know. Okay, the next, the next question is, how should we interpret the clothes, shoes, and prophetic devices used by discarnates if such elements are intimate and thus not directly controlled by the mind? And the answer is the mind does not control the cotton molecules and the clothes worn on the physical body, but it can still use them according to its need. The same occurs in the spirit world where we use the means at our disposal to meet that or that, this or that need for our appearance. So again, they dress as they want to. They, they create by their mind. They didn't really go into this. But what happens is, uh, as some examples, when, when people first go into the lower levels of heaven, they're actually given garments because they haven't learned how to fashion garments with their own mind. And in fact, 
And then when they start learning, they even learn that you don't have to wash them. You just have to put your mind saying, he should be clean. And they will be clean. And then you can actually wear different garments as you think you want to or not wear. They even said in one of the books that, you know, some spirits, when they're alone or maybe among friends, they're completely nude. It's not a big deal to them. So, I mean, just remember that it's not, that's not important. But then a lot of them put garments. In fact, there's, there are stories of uh, parties and gatherings where people's um, garments will reflect their emotions at the time. And they may have colors or whatever. So there's all sorts of, there's all sorts of things in the spirit world that are just very wonderful and interesting. Okay. Um, let's go next one, which is justice in the spirit world. So this is interesting. How does the mechanism of justice work on the spirit plane? And the answer is, of course, in the spirit world, the authority of justice works more surely, although we know that the, me me the mechanism of regeneration actually takes place above all in the individual's own conscience. Again, this is, this is so true that, you know, um, so many people say, tell me that, well, whatever I do, I know Jesus will forgive me and I'll be, and I'll be just fine. And the answer is, Yes, Jesus, God, the spirit world, the high spirits around you, your guardian angel will forgive you for everything. But the hard part is, do you forgive yourself? And this is what is uh, limits a lot of people because they say they've done something wrong and then they want to atone for it in their next life. So many times when you go into heaven, you will actually work with spirit mentors and plan out your next life. And usually what happens, not always, is that you will plan a tougher life than, the, than people say, nah, I don't think you should try that. You're not ready for that yet. And you'll think you can do it, but then boy, once you're in the physical world and, and time becomes, you know, a week becomes an eternity for us, right? We've all been there. Our six months becomes just a decade. Uh, it's different. It's tougher in the physical world when we when we are locked into here. So they try to. They tr actually most of them try to say no. I think you uh, you need to do a little bit less. Do small victories. Now sometimes the opposite occurs. I uh, one time this man and wife, and the wife told them they'd been together quite a few lives, and the wife told them I think the next life you need to be alone, and because you've been. Uh, depending on me too much for your spiritual growth. He didn't like that, but then he agreed. Because you have two options. You can go to the brother that works in a spiritual center. They're not very wealthy, but you can go to them and you'll get much more uh, exposed to spiritual uh, growth. Otherwise, you can go to the other brother who is, will be quite rich. And he says, well, and this is funny because exactly what I would say, I want to go be the son of the rich brother. And then the wife goes, and this is the spirit goes, are you sure you want that? That's not, you know, remember, this is what you have to work on. So, of course, then he was finally convinced by his wise spouse. But so this is showing you, it's, you know, when we die, we don't become this wise, all-knowing, like, well, I know how I'm best to do myself. No, we're still 
a little prideful, a little selfish. Of course, as you go higher and higher, all that goes. But I mean, because in every level of heaven, you uh, advance in knowledge and wisdom and also your spiritual and emotional and personality maturity. So it's all part of learning and doing things. Okay. Now, let's talk about. Oh, let's, there's a question here. I want to do this question before I go on to the next one. I have a question. What happens if you die in your sleep? Are you lost in the dreamscape? And the answer is no. And actually dying in your sleep is uh, wonderful. So now, just there's options, right? There's nothing certain what I'm telling you in the spirit world. If you are a good, decent person, you will be helped. So when you die in your sleep, you'll have spirits around you. They'll, you may have an old grandmother or aunt or parent, whatever. And they'll say, hello, you know, guess where you are? And they'll help you. You'll be a little groggy, right? And actually, I've heard in books like from Leon Denis that dying is much easier than being born, less traumatic to you. So you will be helped. So no, you will not be lost in a dreamscape. Now. If you are not a very advanced person, you may not get help in this by the higher spirits. You might have lower spirits around you. Again, you will not be you will not be into your your last dream. Now, I know that many people will say uh, heaven is what you construct in your mind, and hell is what you construct in your mind. And there there's truth to that, but because in in the spirit world, thought is action, and that's the root of your question. Thought is action. And if you think you're in the dreamscape, scape, you are. But you are not this all-powerful person with a, a huge willpower to create whatever you think you've created. You don't have that capacity yet. Therefore, that will fade away. So when you go into one of the lower levels of heaven, you will absorb, you'll be part, yes, your mind does control your clothes and these other things you can volatate and you can move by the speed of thought and you can create your own house and you can do things like that but higher spirits have created that environment for you and then the spirits on your own level the law of affinity will influence you just subconsciously and you'll all start thinking together and you'll be in part of that environment you'll be uh, influenced now when you die and you don't have any help, those not very nice spirits will influence you in the opposite direction. And you will be in a lower zone, which is a lot of times it will be created by them. It's not a nice place. In fact, even in the lower zone, your own thoughts will influence your dress and your looks and all that until you, you, you rise up. Now, <clears throat> there's a third option. There are people who are committed atheists, and they believe so strongly that when they die, they'll just fall asleep and never wake up. Those people are always pose difficulties for the spirit. Now, if they've lived a good life, they will take these people and they will put them on a stretcher, to put them to a spirit hospital, and they'll give passes. And sometimes it takes years for them to wake up until they finally wake up and say, well, you're a little bit wrong about the spirit world. You are mortal. So 
those are kind of the three uh, main things that can happen to you. So I would say, so no, you're not lost in the dreamscape. You will be, you will be brought to the new reality, right? The reality that's fantastic. When I say reality, it's a spirit reality where you are a personality, you're an encapsulated logic in whatever state that you belong by the law of affinity. It's a fantastic reality, reality, and it, it could be even much stranger in whatever dreamscape you had. Okay. So I hope that answered your question. Uh, where, where, where was I? Oh, justice in the spirit world. How does the, me the mechanism of justice work in the spirit plane? Of course, oh, I read, I read that one already. Okay, so even the regeneration actually takes place above all in the individual's own conscience. Even here on the spirit plane, it's only natural that there should be sanctuaries and tribunals where venerable and impartial magistrates examine human responsibilities, weighing their merits and demerits. In many cases, juries are called, but they consist of spirits with full knowledge of the law and with broad notions of guilt and expiation, error and rectification, human psychology and social sciences, so that the sentence or information proffered is in keeping with precise harmony before divine providence, blended with the love, that enlightens and the wisdom that upholds. So let's talk about that for a second. So interesting, here's a spiritist book saying that, yeah, people will come and they'll talk to you and say, this is what you've done, this is what you shouldn't have done. Now, if you look at the stories of many near-death experiences in DEs, you'll see the same thing. And uh, invariably they'll say, yeah, they were really nice and they um, kind of showed me what I should have done, but there was never like any... So anybody blaming me or telling me I was horrible. In fact, this one guy had an ND, he wrote to me, and he says he was on this, and they were going through his life, and he could say, stop, stop, I want to look at this. They go, ah, it's not important. And then he goes some more, he goes, no, no, I want to understand what I did wrong. Ah, that's not important. And they, he finally said, I finally understood that things are as important as they are unimportant. Now, what did he mean by that? Now, it's a very wise thing he said. Is that in your, in your whole trajectory of life, you're going to make stupid mistakes. And you're going to, those stupid mistakes sometimes are the most important thing that can happen to you. And also some things happen to you and they're not, they're important at that time, but not later on. As an example, you are in uh, high school and you fail a chemistry test. You do terrible on it. You feel horrible. I didn't study enough. I didn't understand it, etc. But then as time goes on, you do better. You learn from that. So things are as important as they are unimportant. It's all about learning. And that is what's so important is learning from your mistakes. Don't sit back, as the spirit Joanna D'Angelo says, don't go back and just agonize over what you did wrong. Look at what you did wrong, take it like an arrow out of the quiver, put the arrow into the forest, don't think about it. Just analyze it and say, I'm not going to do that again. Because you're wasting your time agonizing over things you've done incorrectly when you've already made the decision necessary to try to change that behavior. Now, I know everyone here, and me completely, is I've tried to change behavior and sometimes I fail and I have to keep working at it. So as long as you keep working at it, 
that's important. And they will look at that too. I know another one had a, a person had an NDE in the spirit. Showed him when he was like on the playground. He goes, yeah, look what you did. And this boy pushed him, right? Uh, he's probably seven or eight. And then, he, then the boy, you know, pushed him, hit him on the ground, and then he started running away. Then this, the guy got up, picked up a rock, and threw it with a perfect arc and hit him right on the head. And so they, he goes, oh, I felt terrible doing that. And the spirit kind of just laughed. But he, the spirit wanted to say, he just wanted to like show him, like, we know everything you've done. And this is how this works. Everything is recorded. You know, we all want privacy. Well, you don't have it. And we're at least taught by our mothers and fathers, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything. Well, that doesn't work either because your thoughts are recorded. Everything is recorded. In fact, in near-death experiences, one lady said, I knew all my thoughts and I could tell the thoughts of the other people. And when I, and I had this, this predilection to be mean to other people, and then I, I saw their thoughts, I thought, Oh, they feel terrible. All they wanted to do is think what they did is right and be loved. So these are things that are going over to help you become more empathetic and a nicer person. Okay, let me uh, continue. There are wrongdoers on both the physical and the spirit plane. Consequently, not only are recently discarded individuals handed over to specific trial whenever necessary, but also discarnates who in the performance of certain tasks let themselves be overcome by unspeakable passions and caprice. Okay, so what do they mean by that? One of the really interesting things in the books by Henri Louise are the amount of spirits who are in this one of the levels of heaven who are given some task. And what they said is the vast majority fail. So isn't that interesting? So when I say fail, the tasks are the simple things that start a spirit to center, maybe to help an organization control, maybe help a family. It could be anything that we think is so trivial, but the spirit world knows that these things all, you know, like a Monte Carlo simulation, all build upon one another and history is created and made because of People they'll put in different uh, physical forms in different areas of the globe at certain important times, like Alan Kardec and, and um, Jesus and Socrates and Buddha. These people were put on. Jesus came at the right time. He, he didn't come alone, right? Oh, let's put you on there. And hopefully you'll find somebody. No, all of his apostles were there. The people he probably were born that were sick that he was going to heal, they were all placed also. All of this stuff is is planned out. And in fact, and then they always have contingency plans. In fact, Paul, the great, the, the great apostle, who actually wasn't the apostle of Jesus when Jesus was alive, was there as a backup plan because they were afraid the apostles were going to concentrate too much on their own Jewish uh, uh, tribesmen. And they did. And that's why when they had Paul, used to be called Saul, changed his name to Paul, he became the apostle to the Gentile, because Jesus wanted everybody involved. In fact, you know, one of the things he wanted to is he wanted to, to influence the ruling class of Rome to say, look, stop enslaving people, stop taking over territory, and be the city on the hill. Of course, they didn't do that, and they were 
ultimately destroyed. That was their own fault. So these things happen. And in fact, another one, uh, this one guy was talking to Henri Louise, and he said, yes, my last life I failed. I was supposed to reincarnate with friends. So I reincarnated. My uh, father married this new woman, his stepmother. My father died, and she had six children with her. Then she had this terrible skin disease, and I was, I was just so disgusted by it. I abandoned her and the six children, whereas his task was to, his six children were his six friends he was incarnated with, and was to help the whole family and help them set up some sort of religious organization. So these things happen. Oh, here's another question. Let me show this one. So there's a question from Zena Tron. So I guess that it would be like, we must get through this life and, and be able to say paid in full. Well, that's actually really well put. And I have a book called The Problem is the Solution. So, so many people say, well, how can I be better if I don't know what I did in my last life? Well, the answer is the spirit world is so smart, the geniuses, that they will give us stimuli to show us that when something happens, say a spouse leaves us terrible or uh, someone steals our car or the company we work through for goes broke or in my case where any money I get, like I lose it in the, in the market, not because I thought I was, I was trying to be conservative, but no, I did. That's all because of past things that happen that are now happening to you and that stimuli to help you analyze the situation and then, and then change your character and personality. For me, it was like, okay, I can live without being rich because I now, I know from mediums meeting that I was in power and I took money and, and whatever, I don't know what else, from people who I was in charge that should have helped. Instead, I took money from them. So I totally understand what happened to me now. So yes, I think if you can say, I paid in full and I understood what happened to me and I forgive everyone who did harm to me and I forgave them because look, they're just actors in a play. And that's how you should look at it is that you're, you're you know, a, a regular play you go through and the, the main protagonist starts out and then the whole, usually the play is about them growing as a person. And there will be people coming in from stage left and stage right and giving them stimuli for them to grow, be happy, be sad, whatever. Same thing happens to you. And then after the play is done, they all go to the bar and they're all nice and friends, even though one was an enemy of the other in the play. And this is how you should think about your life and how you think it should think about people who were quite honestly mean and I know this is easy for me to say and very hard for people to do but forgive them they're just a uh, vehicle for your own edification and of course they're going through their own type of edification and God bless them because if they're making mistakes by being mean to you their next life they will also have to say I will atone for that so yes I think it's a good way of looking at it keep your just but you know add that forgiveness in there Okay, let me get back. Where was I here? Good question. Um, there are wrongdoers on both the physical and spirit plane. Consequently, not only are recently discarded individuals handed over to a specific trial whenever necessary, 
but also discard it during the performance of certain tasks. Okay, I said that already. And in fact, there's in one of the books by Swedenborg that um, they talked to this spirit who had who had died. And he says, well, you know, I'd let good life. He goes, well, no, you haven't. And it actually showed him different places where he did things that he said was good, but out of his own selfishness. Okay, he's got another question. I can also see that many of my good traits are really, are really then me striving to counteract what I know deep down that I have to own my past behavior. Well, that's excellent. And if you know that, if you have that instinct in you, because what this is what the spirit world gives us, that gives us a conscience, which is a set of divine laws, which we should filter everything through, all our actions and our instinct. So you had that instinct of, oh, yeah, okay, this is, this is kind of part of this learning experience. So you uh, have been very blessed. So congratulations on that. Okay. Um, so anyway, so uh, as I was saying, Swedenborg saw this, and then they showed that guy uh, seen from his past life, and they finally got him to, to understand that what he did was not nice. So it works both ways. Let me carry on. However, it is important to remember that the lower the degree of evolution of the defendant, the more summary the judgment by the pertinent authorities, and the more advanced the cultural moral qualities of the individual, the more complex the examination of his or her wrongful acts. Now, that makes perfect sense. Is the lower you are, they know you're going to be primitive. They know you're going to do dumb things. You're going to steal. You're going to be selfish. You're going to be prideful. And they're going to say, okay, yeah, well, you got to have some more lives. We'll plan out a trial for you. You're not. You'll go to the lower zone. You're not high enough to be part of that trial, but we'll, we'll do what we can for you because we know eventually you'll be a wonderful person. But if you are a higher of moral quality, then and you do some things wrong, they really have to figure out, okay, what was the stimuli? What was the motivation? And then plan out kind of plan out how to make this next time. Because what I always tell people is sometimes you go through hard trials and tribulations because you didn't learn from the last ones. And I'm sure I've, I've been there. If we're, we're stubborn and I, you know, I probably went through many, many lives where I took whatever I could from people because I wanted, I wanted money. Right. And uh, so I'm sure these things happen. And that's why and they may carry on, not only because the influence he or she has on the destiny of others, but also because the spirit itself, when conscious of its wrongs and eager to rehabilitate itself before a life before those whom it loves the most, begs for the punitive sentence that it knows is indispensable for its regeneration. Now, something very important in this sentence. The influence of he or she has on the destiny of others. What does that mean exactly? So what that means is the higher the spirit, the more important part you play into society. Let me give you an example. Uh, Andre Luis, uh, when he went down into the lower zone, found his grandfather, who he loved his grandfather, but he didn't know. Of course, as being a kid, you don't know these things. His grandfather was a miser, like he took people, and he saw him going around in the mud thinking pieces of mud and rock were gold, and yet they weren't. And he asked, can you help my grandfather? 
And the answer is, oh yeah, we can help them. We can reincarnate them, let's you know, as a simple laborer in some you know backwater town. So they had this colony had the power to reincarnate, to incarnate someone, I should say, into a very low-level position. Now, if you're going to be a professor or a politician or a captain of industry, you're going to be more important and you have more important things to do because why? Because you're actually moving society to a certain level. An example, Napoleon was incarnated in order to reorganize France after the evolu revolution, not evolution. And they said, yeah, you know, this guy's brilliant and he, he can do that. In fact, I remember reading one book that uh, a spy agency called, um, he, he, he went to, uh, I think, Malta for two days or something and Napoleon completely rewrote their constitution and reorganized everything. It was just amazing. He was very smart, and his Napoleonic code was good. But the problem is, he was too smart. And it said in this book, this is um, Emmanuel's um, On the Way to the Light, talking about how the spirit world has guided the history of, of um, the human race. So they said, oh, yeah, as soon as Napoleon went and... Uh, tried to conquer Egypt, we knew that it wasn't gonna work. He wasn't gonna just reorganize France. He was gonna try to take over Europe, which he didn't, but he failed. He said, and after when he was on St. Helena, he analyzed himself and he, he, he knew that what he did was wrong. So these higher people have higher callings and they'll do bad, they'll do things that they shouldn't do, which I'm sure I have done, so I'm not, blame anybody, especially Napoleon, because uh, he was just so brilliant. In fact, spiritists, some spiritists say, you know, this, you know, they love playing this game of who, who was who in other past lives. Um, and of course, none of this is I've seen written down by a spirit per se, so don't, don't take my word for it. But they say Napoleon, his previous life was Julius Caesar, whose previous life was Alexander the Great. So what's uh, makes sense to me here's this military genius not the nicest person one-on-one -on -one, but certainly knew how to move armies and conquer land so very interesting um, imagine how much history you can you can look and analyze when you go back in the spirit world you can go and you can actually see this history you can go back and see christ on earth you can go back and you know see the first guy that made fire who knows wouldn't that I mean that just keep me busy for eons? Um, you'd probably get tired of that because what happens on earth, you'll, you'll figure out it's pretty trivial, just a bunch of spirits trying to mature themselves. It's like trying to get down to the degree of what's happening in middle school amongst the different factions. It's it's exciting when you're inside of it, but when you grow out of it, it's like, eh, left that behind. So anyway, that's just my opinion. Other people can have other opinions. So, but it just shows you. Now, another example is I worked for a bank and they would have people come and talk. And they said, oh, uh, this, the prime minister, the, uh, no, is Tony Blair. 
was going to come and talk to us. And we went into this auditorium and I was sitting like the second row back and I was just sitting there and the person came on and introduced Tony Blair. And I just felt fine. Right? And then Tony Blair walked on and I could just feel the tingling on my arm. Though that's the only probably mediumistic ability I have is I kind of feel sometimes the presence of spirits because I just feel this tingling. I could just feel it through my whole body. And it was like so strong. I go, okay, this guy's played an important part and he's still surrounded by an army of spirits who are giving him inspiration or whatever. The same thing happened. Uh, there was this great passage in uh, one of the, uh, the magazines by Alan Kardec. And the, these meeting group uh, said, this is why Alan Kardec was still alive. This is back in the 1850s. Said the spirit goes, okay, you know, and the spirit was wandering kind of errant on the earth. And they said, okay, start learning about spiritism and try to start helping people and you will rise. And so the next time it came back, it goes, yeah, I, I was actually there. I was in Alan Kardec's office and Alan Kardec was writing something and they had all these spirits around them and they're all like talking to him and telling him what to write. But then he would stop. He goes, ah, oh, that was brilliant, right? He thought he was brilliant. And so I always, you know, who knows what we'll do because a lot of what people write or invent really is inspiration from higher spirits because they were told, oh, hey, hey, we need this invention of cell phones. This invention will be there. In fact, by the way, Chico Xavier, the great Brazilian medium, said that the lower levels of heaven are always 50 to 100 years advanced. So those people already had personal communication devices at the time of, of his mother which was like 1930 or 1920 i can't remember when he talked to his mother which was 50 years ahead of cell phones right 50 60 years ahead of cell phones so they're all around us he goes he goes yeah he goes i even saw on card that kind of get up and look at the window because he heard this buzzing around but the, the buzzing wasn't real flies or anything like that it was just these spirits probably sending him information and the same thing with the books by Henri louise who are wonderful books. In fact, I would recommend them. And they would uh, they would not just be Henri Louise talking. It would be it would be a group of spirits that would that would would do that. So um, there's always or organization here. The, these the, the spirit world is so smart and genius. I've said this before, but what they once we find out that we're like these kids in summer camp and we're being watched and guided all the time, but we don't know, right? Um, life becomes interesting. And, and that's why it's, as the spirit world tells us, whatever we do to try to become a better person will be 100-fold rewarded because you'll not have to go to the lower zone or below. You'll go to some part in heaven and you'll get to learn, you'll get to explore, you'll get to learn how to use your own mind. It'll just be so interesting. And there's always jobs, right? You're not gonna be bored. It's not It's not like heaven is a place where you, you play the harp and you just you know wander around. There's work to be done, but it's work that you want to be done. Okay, so if you would like to explore the spirit world more, I suggest you read my book, The Spirit Realm, Spiritism as Revealed the Reality of Our Existence. I, I talk about how the, 
spirit realm, the different universes, and then how the spirit realm created the physical universe. Why? Who are we as spirits? How we grow? How we ascend as spirits? And in fact, as we ascend, we don't just go from one level to the next level of heaven with this little piece of paper like we graduated. No, we have more tools in our toolbox. We have greater possibilities. We have greater power. We are able to uh, query the universal database, go wherever we want to. And when you're in a spirit, you can go wherever level you are and below. You can't go higher because you're not accustomed to that. So there's a lot of information on my book, The Spirit Realm. Spiritism has revealed the reality of our existence. I want to say, everyone, God bless. God bless everyone tonight.